Hello, and welcome back to the Play It Forward podcast, a podcast presented by Peace Players, where we lift up voices and the stories of people working in their communities and networks to promote peace and equity. My name is Shane Nwagwa, and I am your host, and I have just been cracking up and laughing this morning, but happy I could get through that first part. <laughs> and I'm so excited about today's episode, where we will be speaking to our very special guest on the importance of understanding the role and the impact of anxiety in our lives. And I think that's pretty powerful stuff, especially now during this mm. time. So mm. I'm excited about that, about this conversation, but I can't go any further without introducing to you all the man of the hour, my very special and amazing co-host, Emmett Shepard. Guys, I'm just a normal guy like you guys. Like, seriously, I'm not anything. I'm not a celebrity, guys. I just like live. I put pants on the same way, just like you guys. Um, <laughs> hi. Hello, Chinny. Good morning. How are good you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. I cannot. I'm, good. I'm excited. I got out of bed earlier today, which is a big mm -hmm. deal. So our guest should feel very special in that case that I got out of bed today rather than stayed in bed till noon. <laughs> but, um, hello. Good listeners of the Play It Forward <laughs> podcast. My name is Emmett Shepard. I'm the co-host, the beautifully intelligent and beautifully good-looking Chini Nuagbo. Thank you. And Chini, I just want to cut straight to the chase because I want to know the impact of anxiety in our lives because I struggle with anxiety like most yeah. young people do. Mm -hmm. uh, so who is the very fortunate person we're getting to talk to today tell the people <laughs> yeah. who we're talking to thank you emma our guest today comes from a slightly different background than some of the previous guests that we've had on the show she is a psychotherapist based in concord new hampshire and has been practicing 30 years that's a lot of time 30 years i want to that's mm, applause that right there yeah, yeah, yeah her yeah, work yeah. focuses on anxiety in adults and children and as a result has made her a highly sought out expert being interviewed by the new york times time NPR psychological psycholo psychology psychology excuse me today mm -hmm. which ha which also happens to be my favorite read it's my favorite read but I can't get the words out of my mouth so I'm sorry about that <laughs> and the Atlantic not only has she done all that but she's also an author of several books and articles and is our co-host very special and amazing guest actually probably family member really I don't even know mm -hmm. I mean mm -hmm. how long mm -hmm. that that goes but ladies and gentlemen please help me welcome Lynn Alliance. Welcome, Lynn. Hey, Lynn. Welcome. 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 Hey. Welcome. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. It's great to absolutely, be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a very nice introduction. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Even though I stumbled over my words because you like have my heart pounding right. over here, but that's yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah. Emmett, Emmett, I appreciate you both getting out of bed and putting on your pants. Yeah. Pan well, pants aren't on, but I have a top half on because you can't <laughs> okay. see it on the uh, Zoom. But, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Save it. That was that was yeah. that eventually. was an assumption, an assumption yeah, yeah, yeah. on my part. All right. Yeah, no, right. it's okay. Eventually, yeah. eventually, pants will come on. But okay. uh, Lynn, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if. She you know, has to very know close by now. with my mom. She has my to. mom and you talk a lot, but uh, uh -huh. there's a there's a there's just know, say little it. birdies. Say there's little mm -hmm. birdies around, yeah. you know. Yes. And they say things like, "Have you heard about the Icebreaker King? Have you have, do you know that <laughs> this person exists?" Um, <laughs> and right. uh, I didn't put this title on me. This was given he to me not. by by the uh, masses. Uh -huh. um, right. And so we like to do this uh, first thing on the show to sort okay. of, as one would, break the ice with an icebreaker. Okay. Okay. Um, so articulate, Chinny. Oh, oh, you are. Um, you are. Don't no. worry. And so today's icebreaker is what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Hmm. Okay. Do you want it to be professionally? Anything no. Anything that, okay. you know. All right. 
Well, the first thing that pops into my head, it was a little bit of professional advice, but okay. it, it, it sort of, it sort of, um, it sort of fits other situations too. So I used to work in this uh, mental health agency and I was a youngster. I was a baby therapist, as I call them now. Um, and I worked with a bunch of great people, including this guy named Craig, who was a former Baltimore cop um, who was in recovery um, from alcoholism and he had lost a son and he wow. had also got wow. in the middle of a domestic violence incident in which half of his body sort of was forever impaired. But he wow. was an awesome guy. So he went through all of that and then he became a therapist helping people stay sober. So this, wow. is, this is the guy that gave me the mm. advice. Mm. So we had a head of our agency who was, let me use a clinical term, uh, nuts. And um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. so um, one day Craig and I were holed up in his office pretending we were having some important meeting, but we were just sort of killing time. Mm -hmm. I was licensed. So I was a baby therapist, but I was fully licensed so I could go out on my own. He couldn't because in the state of Pennsylvania, master's level psychologists couldn't practice independently. Oh, and okay. he, he said to me, he said to me this day, as we were dealing with the nuttiness, he said, what the heck are you doing here? You need to get out. You can do it. Like he was like, fly little bird, go, mm, go, go. Mm, right, right, um, mm, right. And so I did. So it was a little, you know, I guess it was a little risky and maybe even a little, I don't know. It wasn't really ill-advised. It was really good advice, but I was right. young. So yeah. I left, I left the agency where they were paying me, you know, not a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I got away from the crazy supervisor. I opened my own practice at 28, wow, 27. God. And then, oh and then off I went, but he was the guy sitting there in this, in, in our office. And the two of us were just like, Ugh, and he was just like, go, go. Yeah. Um, and that right. was, that was really, really good advice. Um, so so I went. Do you, do you keep his sort of inner, do you, in other times, even mm -hmm. big or small, in those mm -hmm. moments where you have to take a leap, I imagine you still have that mm -hmm. echoing voice of just get out, yeah. get out. Yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, do it, do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, he was this, an inc and I, I, I actually, it, it makes me think I need to be back in touch with him because I think about him all the time. Right, um, right. But he's really, he was really such an amazing human being to, to run into it early in my career. I've run into a lot of amazing people, right. um, but he was just this like solid, he'd been through so much shit and he yeah. was just fabulous. <clears throat> I'm kind of like just letting that sit with me. Um, yeah. Out. Um, and, and when you say get out, it just, it resonates with me um, by just saying like, kind of lift your platform, extend mm -hmm. your reach. Yeah. You know, your voice needs to be heard. Uh, yeah. Do the work that matters that serves others. And I think this is a really good place to start um, about the get out. But I just want to know about your career. Like, how do you get into psychotherapy? Like, mm -hmm. and, and and not just that, but we're, we're talking about anxiety and you're, and, you're, and you're working with children and adults. Mm -hmm. Take us on a journey on how you get there specifically. I heard the, the, a bit about the story about the get out, but how did you get there? So, um... I, when I was, when I went to graduate school, which I tried my best to avoid, actually, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I was, I was in college, I was in college with 
Emmett's mother. Oh, um, nice. and, mm-hmm, nice. and we were English majors. Uh-huh. And um, I knew I had taken a lot of psychology courses. Um, just so you know, a full disclosure, my lowest grade ever in my academic career was in psychology 101. Um, (laughs) which which wasn't really entirely my fault. Um, my roommates told me that you didn't have to go to class. Um, uh, and so I found out you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. (laughs) Right. Right. I did. I did. Yeah. So it's actually solid advice. I didn't have to go. Um, so anyway, so I finished, I finished college sort of thinking, I really want to be a therapist, but that will require graduate school. Right. And I thought, do I, I don't really want to do that. Uh, yeah. So I, so I decided actually that I would try out advertising. Um, yeah. So, okay. mm-hmm, right. So I got a job at an advertising agency and actually one of their big accounts was Colt firearms. Okay. And one of my jobs was to just sit all day and look through guns and ammo, soldier of fortune, and just figure out what the best media buys would be for this company that made guns. And so as I'm sitting there in my little cubicle, I'm thinking, you know, I just don't think this is what I wanna do. So I I sucked it up, I sucked it up and I went back to graduate school. I decided to get my MSW because it is an incredibly versatile degree. I will tell you that on my first day of graduate school, so I'm sitting in the, the big auditorium at the Boston University School of Social Work and the Dean of the school at that point said to all of us incoming people, if you have come here to be a therapist, you have come to the wrong place. Right. And I, and I thought, crap. (laughs) So I thought, all right. Okay. So, um, so I just sort of kept that to myself because that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to do clinical work and I get what Mm -hmm. he was saying. He really Mm -hmm. wanted us to make sure that he was really supporting community involvement and political action and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I went to graduate school, I got my degree, and then the learning started. So um, that's when I started figuring out how I was going to be in this profession, what I wanted to be in this profession. I worked for the first two years. I worked as a family therapist on an inpatient psychiatry unit with an incredible mentor, the psychiatrist, Don West, taught me so much. Um, then I went to the agency that I told you about where Mm -hmm. Craig said, get out. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, when I was down there too, I also met another one of my very important mentors. He's um, uh, Michael Yapko, who is one of the world's leading experts in depression. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, That was sort of a lucky thing too. And I started doing the kind of work I do now, which was really focused on offering solutions to people in a very concrete way. So the people that I came in contact with, the people who taught me how to do this job, I I think probably the reason I was attracted to them or the reason why I meshed so well with them is that it was really about, let's figure out what the problem is and let's offer solutions. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I liked that that way of active, concrete, doing Mm -hmm. doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was doing a lot of different things. I was working with families. I didn't really work with little kids at the beginning of my career because I was still a little kid actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, and this is how sort of I got like wholly into the anxiety thing. Michael said, I think you should um, 
submit a proposal to speak at this one national conference that went on for psychotherapists. He said, you can, they, they have, you know, like the fancy people. And then there are all these people who can come in and present their work. And I think you should do that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I said, yes, which I do tend to say yes to things. Um, <laughs> and, and he, and he said, you need to pick a topic that you really like, because if you do a good job with this, this is what you're going to be known for. So mm-hmm. think about what you want to present, because because if you go in there into this national conference and you nail it, mm-hmm. this is where your career will go. Will mm-hmm. go. So I thought about that and I thought, well, I, I really like anxiety and I really like anxious kids. And I think that's a really concrete thing. You can really fix them. Like, I feel like you can make progress. So that's yeah. what I did my talk on. And then I it went well, I guess. And I got noticed and then somebody asked me to write a book, Reed Wilson. And so we wrote a book together, Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents. And we wrote another book together. And then that's what I've been doing since. So that's how it all sort of happened. Yeah. Yeah. The, the two things. One, I'm, I'm always curious and fascinated um, with the concreteness of like, your mind in general, in just terms of like, <laughs> there is a, this is, is this a fixable problem? If so, yes, right, if right, not, and like right. sort of working your way down the, mm-hmm. the diagram sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, for our listeners also, like, I want to start before we get sort of uh, into the nitty gritty of sort of, is your methodology or your cooking recipe for handling anxiety? Obviously, it's maybe different for kids or adults, maybe it's the same thing. But I imagine also over time, how much of it is changing in that initial cooking recipe? Is it just a few teaspoons changed for each Mm -hmm. sort of ingredient? Or is it more so this is sort of a standard cooking recipe that I know from my years of practice that Mm -hmm. actually work pretty, pretty consistently? I want to add something onto that too. And does it change with things like the presence of COVID? Does it change mm. with the thing with the presence of Black Lives yeah. Matter? Do, do, yeah, do, yeah, do yeah. those change your recipe and affect mm-hmm. things as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a great question. Yeah, so so the recipe has definitely been honed over the years, um, and I think the thing that the way that I think about anxiety, and this is where I probably differ from a lot of people that deal with anxiety, is the thing that you worry about, the thing that you get anxious about is generally the least important thing to me. Not that it doesn't, <laughs> okay. not that it doesn't matter, but what I'm very interested in is helping people understand how anxiety works. Because whether it's about, you know, bumblebees or COVID or Black Lives Matter or um, throwing up or talking to people, mm. anxiety, the thing about anxiety is that it is, wonderfully, delightfully redundant. Mm -hmm. And what what happens sometimes is that when people are trying to deal with their anxiety, and my field loves to do this, it's like we have to have all these different categories and all these different recipes. So it's like, well, we need a recipe for social anxiety and we need a recipe for panic attacks and we need a recipe for generalized anxiety disorder. You really don't actually. You need, and and maybe it's sort of like you need a starter recipe, like you're going to make banana bread and maybe you're going to put in chocolate chips and maybe you're going to put in walnuts or maybe you're going to do this. But the basic recipe is the same. Same. And that's, Mm. and when people learn that, 
then they feel better equipped to handle whatever comes at them. Mm. And right. so right. being able to handle whatever life throws at you, what I want to give people is the ability to go inside and pull out the resources that they need right. because life is so unpredictable That's and, and where people sort of get caught in the weeds with anxiety is they treat all the different contents as if they are different problems. Right. And it really is just the same problem. Okay. You know, of, of course, mm -hmm. there are different details, but it's the same problem. So, so I feel like my job is to give you the starter recipe that then you can apply to a variety of situations. And one mm -hmm. of the things that happens in my practice all the time is, you know, I'll see somebody when they're six and then they come back to see me when they're 12 and then they come back to see me when they're expecting their first baby. Right. The pattern is the same. The content is different right. when you're worried about having your baby or you're worried about this or that. Um, so, so I tend to, I tend to push back or resist what happens in a lot of mental health stuff where we have to slice this thing with such a fine, yeah. you know, we have to make little tiny slices because it just makes it confusing. And, mm -hmm. and I honestly think that that's what turns a, a lot of people off from my field, because in many ways, I find the field that I'm in really annoying and I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Right. I just yeah. think that we, we can be really annoying and I work very hard to be the opposite of that. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, the more, the right. more ingredients you have, it sort of, it, it makes it's perfect sense how you would feel or overwhelmed and that yeah. triggers yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm also like, in terms of that sort of through your entire sort of career it, dealing with anxiety, both from the, the lens of a kid versus the mm. lens of an adult, Mm -hmm. How much of it is is uh, entrenched in like nature versus nurture where you see, you know, who's more willing to try that recipe? I would imagine kids right. are, but then there's mm -hmm. this backdrop adults, of yeah. the mm -hmm. trickle down effect of anxiety coming from mom or dad kind yeah, of thing that yeah. has sort of led them to be like, oh, I'm kind of afraid to go in the kitchen in the first place. I'm going to keep with this baking analogy. That <laughs> right, I right. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 yeah. right, right. So in terms of just what are your, you know, thoughts and opinions on is, is there a distinct difference between the two more so? Is it more so nature versus nurture and just that dynamic of anxiety mm -hmm. between kids and adults? I like that question. That's pretty good. Well, there's, there's definitely, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That is. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a combination of course. Um, but the thing that we really want to pay attention to. And I talk to families about this all the time because I don't see kids alone, by the way, in my practice. Like it makes no sense to me that I'm, I'm talking to an eight-year-old mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm teaching them all that I know about how worry works. And the parents mm -hmm. are sitting out in the waiting room. Like the yeah. eight-year-old isn't, the eight-year-old isn't going to get in the car on the way home and say like, okay, so I know our family's been anxious <laughs> since, you know, since like 18, 1867. <laughs> right, right, so, yeah, right, yeah, so, yeah. so I, the second grader am Have now going to be, right. yeah, I'm going to be in charge of turning right. this ship around. Right. So right. that just right. makes no sense to me, but a lot of people do it. Um, so it's a combination because we're, because we're social creatures, mm. because we learn from our other human beings, right? We're mm. always trying to figure out where we fit and where we don't fit. You cannot take the nurture out of it. Right. And so the way where nature comes in, there's no anxiety gene, there's no depression gene, but there are certain things that are definitely heritable traits, they're called, that are absolutely a part of your genetic makeup. So temperament, for oh, example. Oh, wow. 
Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so there are certain, certain types of temperament that put you more at risk. So it's not a done deal, but if you have something called a behaviorally inhibited temperament, which again is just an annoying term for, for people who are sort of like, oh God, the world is too much for me. Um, you know, like yeah. there, there, there are kids that are going to go to the swimming pool and just like jump in. Yay. Right. One of my sons, one of my <laughs> right. sons will just yeah, like jump in with his clothes on. Right. He didn't even right. take his clothes off. Jump <laughs> right, in. Right, right, right. And then there, then there are other kids who are going to put like one toe in, or they're yeah. even going to stand back and watch. So that's a different in temp, a difference in temperament. Yeah. And we know that that can set you up. Here's the problem with things that are heritable, things that are genetic. That means it's likely that your parent or one of your parents probably has that same temperament. So now, right. So here we have somebody who's behaviorally inhibited working on, on trying to raise a child who also may have that same susceptibility. So we know, we know that's the case. There's, they're always doing research to try and figure out that like, the, the science of this field always wants to come up with the answer. Like right. what's, the, what's the chemical? What's right. the this? What's the that? I just tend to see the way that I look at it is that there are things that put you at risk. Mm. And some of them are, are genetic. Right. A lot of them are environmental. Mm-hmm. A lot of them come from how your parents teach you about the world right. and the world that you're living in. So Mm -hmm. it's this combination and anxiety. Remember, anxiety isn't an accurate assessment of the world, because if you are living in a place in which you are in danger and you are responding to that danger, Danger, that's that's not anxiety. That's a good way of keeping yourself alive. Right. 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 Stress stress as well. Right. 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 So anxiety is really a, and one of the things I talk about with families all the time, and and David Barlow, who ran Boston University's uh, Center for Anxiety Disorders, he said anxiety was an overestimation of the problem and an underestimation of your resources to deal with it. Right. So it's it's a mismatch. But if you're if you're really in a situation in which there really is a problem, we're not going to say, "Oh, you're anxious about this." We're going to say, "This is legitimate, and we need to we need to keep you safe." That's mm-hmm. the big difference. I think, yeah. And, and before we get to yeah. this fun part, you you made a, it's a great question. I'm sitting here like shaking yeah. in my sleep. Yeah. What you what I want to know here is we talk about anxiety. We talk about that inherent trait that you may get mm-hmm. from your parent. But what about mm-hmm. the anxiety that exists? Uh, that's as an imposition from parents, Mm -hmm. right? Imposition from families, right? And you're trying to teach this child, hey, uh, this is what your anxiety looks like. These are the tools to to mitigate that, you know, to to, to get through, or uh, here's the perspective of what this exact, there's a different perspective to serve this anxiety. Mm -hmm. How do you help the child? I don't want to say disassociate, but or the family member disassociate from the mom who is always anxious. And then, and then you know, you, mm-hmm. you tend to be anxious because of your mom. Or mm-hmm. uh, let's bring it back to um, communities, underserved communities, right? Mm-hmm. Where anxiety is non-existent, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're, mm-hmm. you're telling a child, hey, you, you're suffering from anxiety. But the parents are saying, no, that, yeah. doesn't, that doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. And we find that in um, with people of color and mm-hmm. in the, are these communities or underserved communities, they anxiety is not addressed. Yeah. Um, mental health, uh, uh, mental health awareness is not addressed. Mm-hmm. So you coming from your perspective, how how do you plant the seed? Uh, how do you get people first listening? Because mm-hmm. you have to first listen, and mm-hmm. then accepting the fact that maybe this anxiety is is 
from outside sources, parents mm -hmm. or, and then talking to the parents who don't even see the anxiety and saying, hey, this is what this is and getting them to buy into mm -hmm. these tools to help youth or themselves. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, long, so, way, but yes. Yeah, well, but that's the, 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 those two words that you used are so important, right? Buy-in. Right. How do we get, how do we get buy-in? And this is the, this is the dance that I'm doing all the time because I want parents to be able to recognize that a being anxious and being worried are really normal states of being human beings. Nobody goes through this without getting anxious and worried. Mm -hmm. And how do we, how do I, how do I say to parents in a, in a way that they can hear, right? Cause the, the, that I, I'm, I always feel like I'm, I'm delivering the tray of hors d'oeuvres and my goal mm. is to get you to be like, oh, that's interesting, rather than say like, I'm not gonna take that. Yeah. How do I, how do I get you to buy in and how do I get you to accept in a way that doesn't feel shaming, that doesn't right. feel, that doesn't feel blaming, right? Blame and shame doesn't really mm -hmm. help mm -hmm. you get what you need. Mm -hmm. um, by really saying that in the phrase that I use is I say, this isn't about blame, but it is about responsibility. So if there are things that we know help, let's learn those things. And I try and make it as concrete as possible because a lot of people, one, one thing that my field has not done a good job with is they have not done a good job with stigma because it is actually the opposite of what they think. The more that we talk, and the research is, is bearing this out now, it's very interesting research. The more that we talk about mental illness as a disease, the more we talk about it as biology, the more yeah. we talk about it as a chemical imbalance, that actually pushes people away. Mm -hmm. The more we talk about it as what happened to you, the more we talk about it in the context of relationships, community. in the context of community, in the mm. context of empathy, in right. the context of connection, Love. the more that people come together. Mm. And what, what all of these mental health awareness campaigns have tried to do is to say, this struggle that you're having with anxiety or depression, this is just like diabetes. This is just like this. This is just like, and people, mm. people don't respond well to that. Mm -hmm. but they do respond well to, you know what, this is part of being a human. And anybody who grew up in that situation or mm. anybody that had to deal with this environment or anybody that was raised in a family that for generations didn't know how to manage their anxiety. Exactly. That's something we can all relate to because mm. there is no family that goes through life without anxiety or depression or substance abuse. That's correct. There's no yeah. family. So the way that I try and offer my offer my information, because I really feel like I'm offering information is to really just normalize it and mm -hmm. to make it a part of, to make it a part of human suffering Absolutely. and not make it this thing like, well, you have this illness or you have this, disease, right. or right. you have this disability. Interestingly, high school students that I talk to are very much in the, this is a disability camp and mm. it is not serving them well. It's not mm. serving them well. So mm. that's, that's, a, that's a fight that I'm always sort of trying mm. to figure out. That's a, that's a rope that I'm always trying to, trying to balance. That's not a good analogy. 
I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm walking a fine like line. I'm walking a fine line. Yeah, yeah. Like no, my mom, my mom clearly, my mom clearly listens to you all the time because her one of her uh, phrases that rings true throughout all of the Shepherd family is whenever me and my sister and my brother are going through something, she always says, "Feel all the feelings." Just feel yeah. all the feelings. Yeah. It's yeah. part yeah. of the human yeah. experience. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 It's so true. And there, there's a huge sweet spot of all the things we're going to feel, and and one of the things that the anxiety Anxiety, anxiety treatment often does, and we've got this with depression too, is there's a lot of what I call elimination strategies. So the goal is to try and get rid of the worry, get rid of the feeling. Mm. And yeah, so we use, we use, yeah, or, or just allowing it to be there. Right. right. Like you don't have to listen to it. The thought can pop up and you could be like, mm -hmm. oh, there's my, there's my worry. Right. But we focus on distraction. We focus right. on, social we focus, media, yeah. yep, social media, distraction, um, avoidance. Um, avoidance, which actually makes anxiety stronger, of course, self-medication. Yeah. Mm. What are the things, what are the things that I can do so I don't have to feel this? Right. That is the exact opposite message that we want to give because you're going to, it's going to show up and yeah. trying to get rid of it, particularly with anxiety, the more you try and get rid of it, the stronger it gets. What you resist persists. Yeah. And what so you resist persists. Like yeah. That. What you resist persists. And and so so the more that you say, oh, I can't feel this way, or why am I, I feeling this way, or or the shameful should right, like I shouldn't feel this way. Right. Well, of, of course you should feel this way. That's what I always say. Like the two words I can't live without in my job are of course. Of course you should feel this way because this just happened to you or you're stepping into this situation or, you know, or your, your mom has been telling you for 20 years that you're, you know, going to die if you, yeah. right. Of course, of course, of course. And then, and then, and then I can see people, I can see people physically feel relief when instead of me saying, well, let me teach you this to get rid of those feelings. I say, yeah, of course you feel that way. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you feel that way? And they're, they're sort of like, oh yeah. 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 Perfect. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Sit yes. in that jacuzzi of feelings, people. Just sit in the jacuzzi. Sit in it. Say. <laughs> yes. Water but, will but, get but, warmer. Yeah, but but understand it and then attack it. Um, yeah. yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Are you All right, ready, let's take an exhale. Let's take a quick exhale. Okay, let's do it. We dive back in. So, okay. Jenny, explain to her what we're doing. We are getting ready to play this most amazing show uh, on our show. The amazing yeah. show on our show. Uh, yeah. And it's called The Lightning Round. <laughs> it is called The Lightning Round. It's amazing and fun. And he's pointing at himself because he is a Lightning Round King. No, no, I keep no, no, giving no. you the lightning rounds. These were Lightning Rounds. I keep oh, giving myself. you the title of The right, Lightning Round King. And it's really fun. So Emma's going to ask you a series of questions. You have about three to okay. four seconds to answer those questions. Oh, my gosh. We'll have timers yeah. here. We will... Enjoy your answers, Emmett. Will he yeah, we question. will just judge you heavily on there. We okay, so don't worry about okay. it. Don't worry. Judgment, about it. Yes. judge, judgment is also part of the human experience. <laughs> it is. Yes. It yes. is. Immense judgment. Yes, yes. That's what, yeah. like, that's what my sister tells me all the time. She's like, right. judgment is just. It means I love you, Emmett, and I judge you heavily. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's, um, you okay. That, but, yeah. You got the clock, Jenny. You got. The I got clock. it. I'm ready. Lynn, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So, baseball or soccer? Baseball. Okay. Still water or seltzer water? Seltzer. Flying or driving? Driving. Oh, good job. Dry or humid? Dry. The book version or the movie version? Book. Yeah. Readers. Are you a little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? <laughs> uh, 
Um, based on, oh, I only have a few seconds to answer. Based on the fact that my husband has been playing 80s rock on the radio, and if I hear one more Leonard Skinner song, I'm going to throw myself off the roof. I'm going to go with a little bit country. Ah, okay. That works. That works. Okay, who wins, who wins a game of basketball, a taco or a grilled cheese? Oh, grilled cheese. Yeah, really? 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it. Big body, yeah. big body, Jenny. Big yeah, body. flexible, you, got you, got you, got you, got you, more flexible. Got you, got you, got you, got you. Summer or winter Olympics? Summer. Good. Okay. Art museums or history museums? History. Really? Okay, sorry. Ninjas or pirates? Pirates. Mm. <laughs> Which do you prefer, a horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? I'm going to go with a horse-sized duck. Yeah, Aww. big duck. Very right. big duck. duck. <laughs> Meditation or exercise? Exercise. Mm. Mm, Comedy or drama? Comedy. The last thing you taught someone else to do? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, that's hard. Um, mm. I taught somebody how to deliver a therapy session in a consultation session. I gave, I gave that's a bunch nice. of people that's language, language cool. to language to use. Yeah. Uh, paying it forward. Paying it Very forward. Yeah. I love that. Uh, a language. time you did not follow your own advice. Ooh, I like this one. Um, when I had a bad sinus infection and I didn't go to the doctor, um, but I took my cat's antibiotics. Um, you, oh my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> And um, apparently the dosage was off and I ended up almost dead in the hospital with my, oh my brain God. pus. Okay, that's not funny. Oh my funny. God. No, no, this was totally last week. This was last week. Yeah, this was like, no, this was, this was many years ago. Yeah, okay, okay. but I mean, I was like, I was doubled over in pain from this sinus infection. And not only did I not take my own advice, but I didn't take my friend doctor's advice. And I just yeah. tried to, I tried to push through with the cat antibiotics and it didn't work. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. Last Mouth one. Dropped. One thing you would want listeners to remember from today. Um, that it is okay to feel <laughs> anxious and worried that it's not a disability. It is a part right. of being a human being and that it, this is, this is a social issue, not mm. a chemical issue. It's a social issue. Nice. I like the mic drop there. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. How and do you feel? That, you did a great yeah. job. You got through Thanks. it. Thanks. We'll, Thanks. we'll tally up the points. We'll tally up the points and send you it uh, via email. Okay. With our thoughts, <laughs> okay. Comments, concerns. Is there? Is there? A, I'm pretty competitive. Is there like a ranking or? Yeah. You're how do you? It will, you're be, it will be posted on Twitter, so it's okay. just for the world to see. Okay. Don't worry. Yeah, okay. Because I I I, I want to be on the podium. Yeah, you are. You are for sure. You are for one sure. of the fastest ones for sure. We've had some oh. people who've taken their sweet time answering. Oh. Which, it's oh, not yeah. worth, it's not part oh, of the game. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah that's, Actually, they're that's... still answering, but it's mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Um, that was awesome. Thank you so much. So now we're going to transition into uh, the, the meteor heavier. Just kidding. It's going to be the exact same yeah. amazing show. But, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I don't yeah, know, Lynn, if you know cry. that we are an organization that uses sports, uh, specifically basketball, to address mm -hmm. peace and equity. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know anecdotally the, the positive impact that sports can have on youth and adults. And my question is, can you share with us uh, from your perspective, how we, you've seen sports and fun play play like a positive role or have a positive impact in addressing anxiety? Yes. Um, so I'm way into sports oh, and good. I played sports all through high school and 
um, love, love like competitive sports, love fun sports. So um, from a personal perspective, sports were sort of where I, um, where I found my joy in a lot of my childhood and where I found my connection with people. So I'm, I'm all in on that. Um, so in terms of anxiety, um, one, one of the things that anxiety hates is uncertainty. Right. Anxiety, right. anxiety wants things to go a certain way. <clears throat> and so when you step into that competitive arena, right. you are stepping into a real combination of, did I prepare enough? Did I do right. what I needed to do? Followed by things are going to be unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And so over and over again, sports and play and teams are such a good arena for kids to experience Right. disappointment, loss, mm. how to be, I always talk to kids about how to be a good loser, how to be a good winner. Mm. How do you manage, how do you manage the normal anxiety of, of stepping up to the start line? How do you manage the pressure of not wanting to let your teammates down? Exactly. How do you, how do you handle the disappointment when things don't go the way you want them to go? Or when mm -hmm. you screw up and you have to own that? I think that there is just such an enormous ability. I mean, it really is, it really is a place that I think has been neglected actually in terms of right. mental health treatment. Mm. Um, and when I talk about not only the playfulness part of it, but actually physical activity, we know that physical activity, exercise, physical activity is actually often more effective than antidepressants for the treatment of depression. Right. Right. When we talk about kids being outside, when we talk about the arena that they have in which they are interacting with other people, mm. I say all the time, actually, if I had to pick one thing that I could force my clients to do, I would pick active exercise, playfulness, Absolutely. exercise, teams. being in sports, teams. Mm -hmm. It is just so, so important. Mm -hmm. So, so important. Um, I think one of the things that's been kind of interesting recently, and, and if you notice it though, it's really for the, for the most part, it has, it happens more in individual sports than in team sports, but that athletes coming forward and saying the pressure that I experience in this domain is too much for me to bear. Exactly. And I think we need to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you guys, have you guys actually seen the documentary, The Weight of Gold that's narrated mm -hmm. by Make? Oh, you guys should watch that. Yeah. The of gold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Weight narrated of Gold. Narrated by who? Michael Phelps. Oh, and oh, it's, wow. it's okay. about, it's oh, about, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen it's, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's about Olympic athletes and it's about depression Weight and Olympic gold. athletes. What happens after the Olympics? It is really powerful. It is really yeah. sad. It's really yeah, sad. It's really actually. sad. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I feel like I feel like sports and play is such a great way to learn so many things that are valuable for connection and mental health. And I also yeah. think it's a place mm -hmm. where things can really go south. And I see a lot of that in parenting. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I mean, and Chinny, you've probably experienced this too. All of us have probably experienced the idea of like, you're on a sports team and there's uh, a kid that's your teammate who you know to be uh, a good kid like doesn't have um, a lot of serious childhood trauma or anything like that but his dad uh, usually the dad or some mm -hmm. parental figure is at the game and creating this immense amount of tension and mm -hmm. pressure and 
is like almost com like in my case, there were parents who are completely vocal about always critiquing the kids um, performance mid game and stuff like that. And you could mm -hmm. just see over time a complete change in demeanor mm. in that kid's behavior around the world and mm. his like passion and drive for the sport completely shifts yes. his like mm -hmm. yes. ability to interact with his parents and also like the people around him would shift become more aggressive become more recluse become more yes. depressive mm -hmm. so i the, absolutely like, big role they play a big, absolutely. big role yeah i was at a my son played um baseball in high school and we were at a game and there was this one kid who was like one of the star players <clears throat> and they lost the game. It was a playoff game. I think that he was pitching this kid mm. and the dad who was like known as a jerk. We all knew that he was a jerk baseball dad. Okay. He went up, he hugged his kid and mm. he said in his ear, he said in the kid's ear and I heard it, you let your team down. Oh my god. So he's he's using uh, uh sports as a tool to to destroy not bridge divides. Not bridge not, divides. Not, yes. Not, not create connection. And and, right. and and he's using sports as a tool to really create more anxiety, mm -hmm. right? More pain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anger. We, yeah. Yeah. We coach does a really great job of it. And I don't know if this is the right thing, but it's like regulation or deregulation mm -hmm. or something where you can mm -hmm. create an environment where you feel heard, um, they can, they learn how to deal with good stress, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. good stress in, in some way helps them with their mental health and wellness and as, in a way helps them with um, dealing with anxiety. Uh, mm -hmm. But I don't know, they, they, they say it in such a articulate way. I, I'm unsure of how they do it, but it's, it starts with our opening circle and, you know, things that are very much scheduled and letting youth know that this is what's coming, you know, mm -hmm. having coaches that are positive, not like mm -hmm. what you guys have told me about these coaches, but yeah. Um, and, and I say all that to say, cause I'm really curious about this. And then Emmett has like this brilliant question that I'm mm -hmm. sure he wants to ask, but is anxiety. Um, and I think that this was, is, is what the teaching is, is, or the we coach or what, what they're trying to enforce here is that anxiety and I don't know if this is right, so correct me if I'm wrong. Is it your perspective on how you you receive anxiety? Is anxiety the same component as, I tell people this, anxiety is the same component as excitement. It's just your perspective on it. I don't know if that's true. I don't know it's, if it's the same energy, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same, it's the same energy. It's the same system in your brain. And anxiety really is about your interpretation exactly. of what you're experiencing. Exactly. Um, and so I, I can give you a really actually cool example of this. Please. A girl, a girl came to see me. She was a college student and she was having difficulty staying in class because she was having like these panic symptoms when she was in her lectures. Mm -hmm. She was a division one swimmer at the top of her game. But when she swam, she didn't have that same response. So I said to her, when you're standing on the pool deck, getting ready to swim in the NCAA championships and you're standing there, how does that feel different exactly. than when you're sitting in your chemistry lab? The same. responses in her body were exactly the same, same. but her mm -hmm. interpretation of them was completely different. And I talk a lot about step one and step two. Mm -hmm. Step one is you're going to have a thought, a feeling, a sensation. Step two is how you interpret it. And if you are in a situation in which there is room for those, 
experiences where it's okay that you have them, where they're mm. even put in a positive light, right? Like we need to get, we need to get psyched up for this or whatever. Yes. Your interpretation of that stress, because a certain amount of stress is yes. helpful to our bodies. Mm. But if we interpret it as something that we're supposed to get rid of, something that's going to get in the way, something that we shouldn't feel, then that step two is the panic about the symptoms. Ah, And that's what turns this thing into a disorder. It's not that you're feeling anxiety, it's how you interpret it. And there's Mm. even a term for it, it's called anxiety sensitivity. Mm. And anxiety sensitivity is an overreaction to normal anxiety symptoms in your body. And that is really what happens oftentimes. Athletes get used to feeling this way and they're told you're supposed to feel this way and it's good that you feel this way. And we talk Mm. about it as energy. Right. And then, and then you have other situations where we say, oh, I'm getting on a plane. Well, I'm not supposed to feel this way. I'm not (laughs) supposed to feel this way. And then we push back against it. And the more you push back against anxiety, the stronger and more out of control it gets. Absolutely. So, so you're exactly correct. It's, Mm. it's this interpretation of the symptoms symptoms that you're feeling Mm -hmm. Mm. so it's like in in terms of just like tangible things that like people can take is you can never be too or maybe i'm wrong but you can never be too self-aware in a sense where the more self-aware you are the more you have an ability to navigate and understand how you're interacting with anxiety Mm -hmm. depression any of these Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. and being able to like almost disassociate yourself in that moment and do these sort of like, oh, I'm feeling this right now. Mm-hmm. Why am I feeling Why? this way? Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. sit in it for a sec and almost mm-hmm. like massage that emotion out exactly. like a muscle kind of thing. Yep. Exactly. Yep. A little <laughs> bit, but, but, but that can kind of go too far, Emmett, because yeah. if, because anxiety and depression are both internalizing disorders, they're called. <clears throat> so what that means is that when you start experiencing or thinking about it, you go inside. Mm -hmm. And if you go inside, if you go inside too much, Mm. and if you, if you are asking these why questions, because you need an answer and you have to figure this out, then you're also doing the disorder, as I say. So you want that, you want that self-awareness to say, oh, there's my worry. Now, what I actually do is I want to externalize it. So I want to give it a name. I want to call it, you know, Joanne or Joyce or, you know. F and Joanne, yeah. Right, F and Joanne. Every time I see a Joanne, I'm like, Joanne! Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and you want to create a little bit of distance from it because then you can be aware of it and you want to become a curious observer of your own experiences. Exactly. Yeah. Because when you you go inside and you're like, why am I feeling this way? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, gosh." here comes that resistance again. Mm -hmm. So it's really about dropping the resistance. And, and the cool thing with, with anxiety, if you can get somebody, if I can get somebody to actually step into it on purpose, like, right. let's go, bring it on. So right. I, I talked to, when I'm talking to athletes about this, it's really easy for me because I use a lot of sports analogies, but I'm like, I need you on offense with this thing. Ooh. I need you to be like, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's be on offense. Because right. when you're on defense, right? You're, when you're in a defensive posture, I want you on offense. Let's go. Right, yeah. right. No, I mean, and with the peace players in general, and Chitty's going to ask this with her last question too. My sort of final one is like, conflict is such a prevalent topic with mm. among peace players. All of our sites mm-hmm. that we have are, are very meticulously chosen for historical conflict reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so peace players is about bridging that divide, but having to bridge that divide 
external conflict and internal conflict are going to come up, not amongst just the young people that are participating, but also coaches, staff, the people Mm -hmm. that are integrated amongst the kids who are leading discussions and workshops. And, you know, for a lot of these kids, that sort of uh, historical conflict is either very prevalent still, Mm. or just is in the backdrop to some degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so being able to leaving external conflict aside, even though it is so heavily linked to an Mm -hmm. internal conflict for young people is Mm -hmm. like how much of the anxiety that's associated with the internal conflicts that young people are dealing with specifically are young people. I say Mm -hmm. are meaning peace players, young people, Mm -hmm. uh, why like giving them the necessary tools, not only to address anxiety, but to talk about conflict and sort of that idea of like, how, how do you think those two things are integrated or related and do you have sort of clear pathways or methodologies for young people to address internal conflict that they feel is it very similar to anxiety or completely different kind of thing yeah no I mean I think you know in in internal conflict there's when I'm dealing with people that are anxious when I'm dealing with kids that are anxious there's always a battle in there Right. right because there's a battle between what they want and what their anxiety is telling them so there, there's a conflict between who they want to be and who they're afraid they can't be. There's, there's always this battle. There's a battle about, I want to take a risk. I want to be vulnerable. I want to step into this relationship, but I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to be judged. So there's mm-hmm. always this, this conflict. And the, the thing I talk about a lot with, with kids with anxiety is rigidity versus flexibility, mm. both internally and externally. That's right. And and how can we be flexible both in our perspectives of other people and our perspectives of ourselves? We're right. all a messy work in progress. Exactly. So yeah, so there's this, you know, my my mentor who I mentioned, Michael, who has been so important to me, um, he he always drops these like nuggets of wisdom that then I mm. repeat. But one of the things he said is that when you're helping somebody develop a more flexible approach to Mm -hmm. relationships to themselves he says there's nothing more dangerous than somebody who's real sure and real wrong Mm, and i have said that to so many kids because we you know conflict we get locked into our perspective Mm, yes Um, we 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 get stuck internally and externally um and then um the, the other thing that he has said which i think is just brilliant is when you're trying to figure out conflict with with other people in in personal relationships, Mm. that there is a difference between something that impacts you personally Mm. and something that you need to take personally. Exactly. And helping kids as they're dealing with conflict, as they're trying to figure out how they can connect to each other and how they can Mm. work through things, Mm. how do we help them differentiate between it's almost like saying like, choose your battles, right? And that if we can step back from this and we can see things from different perspectives, if we can be more flexible in our approaches to things, 
it yeah. takes it takes the emotional intensity down, Absolutely. which is what we're trying to Absolutely. do. You're talking yeah. about three of our core values. Um, one of yeah. them is seeing people as people, just seeing the humanity mm -hmm. in others. Yep. The other is um, inside outside transformation. That means just going inside <clears throat> and making sure the lens that you're using to see someone you are in conflict with mm. is clear. And then mm. instead of pointing the finger, figuring out how you contributed to the conflict. And then yeah. the last core value is culture of collaboration. Even uh -huh. though we have our differences, uh, yeah. if we are, don't see eye to eye, there is still a point where we can come together and work together. So it sounds like you're saying all those things. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and speaking yeah. to our core values. And yeah, that's we, fabulous. Mm -hmm. Don't have that much time, but I just want to do this one question. I think that oh, we, got time. A lot. we got time. Do we? We got time? We yeah, got time? Yeah, take your time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is just pertains to uh, around travel anxiety, separation anxiety, and homesickness mm -hmm. because mm. you may not know this, but Peace Players is taking a big leap on our global movement. And we are bringing up together 100 youth leaders from across the world, from all over wow. our sites. So we have a, a ton of sites. If I named them, we, the show would be over because it'd be two hours. <laughs> yeah. um, and and we're, gonna, we're going to meet in one location to talk about basketball leadership development, teamwork, and just basically have this amazing uh, cultural exchange. For many mm -hmm. of those young leaders, however, uh, this might be the first time that they are traveling away mm. from home and on top of that they're traveling without their parents and so mm. i want to use this time uh, the few few minutes that we have to talk to take any tips that you have for our young people and parents who struggle with travel separation or anxiety maybe two or three things that they can put yeah in yeah. yeah so so here's the mistake we make when it comes to homesickness is that we try and talk kids out of it and we offer them all of this reassurance, like it's going to be great. You know, you're going to be as soon as you get there, you're not going to feel this. And really the message that I want to give to kids that are going to experience homesickness, because this comes up a lot in my practice, is that homesickness comes and goes. And it really is a feeling that you can handle. Feeling homesick is okay. And you might notice that it shows up as you're falling asleep. It might, you might notice that it shows up when something else doesn't go well. You might notice that it shows up when something goes really well and you wish you could share it with your parents. It might show up when you're handling something that's new to you. It is really okay to feel homesick. One of the things we have to really pay attention to when we're talking to kids about their feelings is that they're temporary and that they come and go and that you can ride the wave. And that also you just have to tell somebody you're feeling that way because somebody around you will absolutely be able to relate to that. Yeah. 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 So absolutely. we're going to, we're going to allow, allow, allow. So we're going to make room for it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to make sure that it is temporary. It comes right. and goes, right? Mm. Yeah. It comes and goes. Uh. And then we're going to share it to make sure. And then that, we're going to share it. We yep. have a yeah. culture of collaboration with us to make sure yep. that we're, you know, yep. that we're not alone. Yep. Love and it. Somebody, yeah. And somebody's going to say, of course you feel that way. Of course, of course. you feel that you way. Do. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Sit in that jacuzzi. Go <laughs> over there. Sit in your feelings. Feel all of the feelings. <laughs> feel them all. Like Evans Mom would say, feel all is, the feelings. Yeah. Been an absolute pleasure. We've taken up yes. way too much of your time. Yes. But we yes. appreciate it. And also, I want to give you a sort of moment to, I know that people who are listening to this are going to have so many questions mm. of their own mm. personal life because 
we're all a little narcissistic and we're like, well, I have these problems that I need to help address. Me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And why, so, why didn't Lynn talk about me? Yeah, yeah, why <laughs> yeah, didn't you talk yeah. about me specifically? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. And there's a bunch of books that people can get that uh, they can read, but it also I do know you have a podcast. I do is, have a podcast. She's all set up with her podcast there's, here. There's an element of that podcast where I don't want to give it away, but could you tell people a little bit what your podcast is and what you do kind of thing on it? Yeah. So the podcast is geared toward parents. It's called Fluster Clucks. It is, um, it's for parents who worry, which basically is like all parents. And we talk about, we talk about all sorts of things. We talk about handling your child separation anxiety. We talk about Mm. what happens if you're not anxious, but your partner is a total anxious freak and won't listen to anything. (laughs) We talk Mm -hmm. about all those Mm -hmm. things. We we talk about like what happens if your (laughs) mother-in-law is difficult. We talk about, we talk about all those sorts of things. Yeah. So yeah. Is there, is there there a, I I, don't get me wrong, but is there a a section in your episode where you can do live call, like live callers are in. Oh yeah. 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 So we don't do, we don't do like we, um, yeah. So I do, I do sessions. So Mm -hmm. probably like once a month we do what we call in session. And Mm so, um, I, uh, have a zoom call with a listener who calls in and it's basically like a therapy session on the podcast. They have an Mm -hmm. issue and something like that. So we do Mm -hmm. that about once a month and I love doing those. Those are, those are pretty fun. Yeah. Amazing. Hear that people, parents, especially of your kids who are about to embark on a very exciting journey in peace players. If you got some anxiety, if you got some worries, might be the place for you. Right. That's all that's I'm right. that's all I'm I can't fake it because I was thinking I, when you were saying, I was like, Emily and I can get some free. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Can we call it? Can we do a free session? Can we call it tomorrow? Yeah. But yes, thank you so much. You, 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 Lynn, you already know. Unbelievable. We love your energy. Thank you so much. Seriously. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening and joining us on this journey. If you like what you heard, we encourage you to like and subscribe. We've got many more conversations and stories to share in the coming weeks that will have love and peace and all that goodness in between. Mm. We always say this, but please share with a friend and leave a review like all the wonderful reviews we have right now. And we're going to read some soon. So just be be, be ready for that. But I can't go further without getting Emmett's input on today's <laughs> show. Emmett, your thoughts. Oh, season three just keeps getting better, better and, better. and better. Like yep. we're, I feel spoiled at this point with these I guests, mean, Shinny. You know, I mean, what were some of the nuggets of information she said? We had we had um, like, rigidity we, versus flexibility. Rigidity if you ever resist, then it will persist. Mm. These are like um, t-shirts slash yeah. mugs slash tattoos. People should get if you yep. want to get those tattoos. We highly condone them. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, God, she's just she's just so insightful, smart, funny, down to earth. <laughs> yeah. Like also just like knows the problem, but also is so adamantly trying to solve the problem and also mm-hmm. not trying to make it seem like a problem. Is right. so adamant right. in making it seem like it's part of the human experience, which it is. Exactly. Like we all we all have anxiety. It. We all right. have depression kind of right. at right. times. Um, Chinny, did you know? that you could learn more about Peace Players by visiting our website and following us on social media, mostly at Peace Players International. That's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can also follow the Play It Forward podcast where you get some behind the scenes footage, some day in the life vids, no day in the life vids, uh, at the Play It Forward podcast on Instagram. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and YouTube to see the video recordings of all of our podcasts. Uh, I think also Tumblr, 
Honestly, <laughs> man, I don't know how long I'm going to keep this joke going. It's probably going to be until Chili goes uh, for the love of God. No, that was pretty good. I didn't expect but that at that point. Yeah. I'm going to go to my gratitude journal. Yep. I'm going to write down some stuff. I'm going to focus are. on my anxiety. I'm going to sit in that jacuzzi of feelings, probably cry, but it's